really does prepares the atmosphere. I want to tell you, thank you so much for wishing us a happy birthday. That I'll try to get to everybody individually and personally to let them know I'm grateful. Um, 1955 is, boy, that went by really quick. I was quite shocked at how old I was when I looked in the mirror. And, uh, but I'm grateful for every moment. Um, I'm grateful for the legacy that the Father's given me. I'm grateful for you. I'm so grateful. I don't take it for granted that you've come to be in service with us today. Welcome, ladies. We're glad to have you. We don't take it for granted. We, we welcome each one of you, and uh, I'm just excited. Um, I believe the next thing God does is always bigger than the last thing he did. But I believe that it's in his nature to love on you. I want to talk about that look today. I want to take a few verses and share with you something that unfolded to me that I believe is really going to help uh, bring a wholeness and healing to you. And somewhere toward the end of the service, how many know that when Jesus gave the Great Commission, he didn't say, these signs shall follow them that pastor. He didn't say, these signs shall follow them that have all their ducks in a row. The special ones who have the gift. No, he said, these signs shall follow them that believe. I believe that there's going to be a wholeness that's coming to the body of Christ. Because you're not going to have to go run here and there to find what you're looking for in a man. But you're going to understand that he's already given us everything we need that pertains to life and godliness. And that you have been given the opportunity, the power uh, to bring wholeness. When Jesus commissioned the disciples and they came back kicking their heels saying, Lord, even Luke 10, even the devils are subject to us. Jesus said, don't rejoice at that. That ought to be old hat for you. But rather rejoice that your names are written in the land book of life. Now, I want you to go with me to Matthew 9. And let's look at a story that unfolds. And Matthew, Matthew's got, it's so good to see Mason and Reagan and Jonah, newlyweds and that awesome little, I saw him with a big grin crawling across the floor. And uh, my, they grew up quick. And uh, it's good to see uh, Lori and Donald and, and Wayne. <laughs> they got that little baby named Wayne. Builder means builder. The old antique definition of Wayne means a wagon builder. <laughs> I rode in some red flyers, but I never built one. And uh, I'm grateful. You know, the bow tie is something I don't bring attention. I don't want to bring attention to myself, but I told Miss Cheryl, I said, I got a picture of me sitting on a red flyer tractor, red wagon, when I was four years old, and Mama had a black bow tie on me. I had a big bandage right across here because I was into everything. I had 15 stitches in my head, and my wife said, that's what happened to you, right? And uh, I was always pulling st stuff down on my head, and uh, <laughs> uh, like the coffin salesman that came and tried to sell me a coffin, I said, that's the last thing I need. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> right? 
So I'm going to be here till he says it's enough and I'm going I'm to live life to the full. And uh, he didn't just save me to go to heaven. He didn't just save you to go to heaven. He saved us to transform us. It's not just about a ticket to heaven. I'm going to share with, oh my goodness. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. Matthew 9, beginning in verse 9. As Jesus, this is the New Living Translation. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple. Jesus said to him, so Matthew got up and followed him. Later, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. But when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with such scum? When Jesus heard this, he said, healthy people don't need a doctor. I'm a doctor. Sick people do. Then he added, now go and learn the meaning of this scripture. I want you to show mercy. That's loving kindness. I want you to show loving kindness, not offer sacrifices. For I've come to call not those who think they're righteous, but those who know they are sinners. Father, thank you for your love. Lord, help us, God, to, to unpack and articulate this simple message. Lord, I thank you, Father. It's so simple to know that God is love. But Lord, it's so profound to us when we embrace that revelation and it becomes life to us. Lord, we thank you, Father, for this opportunity to gather together. Now we pray that you'll anoint our hearts and our ears, that we'll hear what you want to say to us in Jesus' name when we give you all the glory. And everybody said again, amen. amen. This gospel of Matthew was written some years later. Matthew sat down and he's giving his autobiographical account of his journey. Luke talks about it, but not like Matthew. Because Matthew is bringing to light the moment he was called. He's remembering how it changed his life in the moment he was called by Jesus. Follow me. Have you ever wondered what it was about Matthew when the Bible said he just left his tax booth? And... Now, I want to tell you something about Matthew. He's a tax collector. I have my feelings about the IRS, but I'm not going to use, I don't really have an illustration. I want to tell you what a tax collector was back in the days of Matthew. Matthew was really, he was despised. He was Jewish, but he was hated by the Jewish people, his own people. Why? Because when the Roman government came in and the Romans put the Jews, they crushed them under their heel. That, what better person to collect? That They wanted taxes so that they could support themselves and support their government. And what better person to get money from a Jew than to use a Jew? I've been to Capernaum. It's the town of Jesus. I've been there. It's a beautiful place. It sits on the, on the, on the outskirts just off the shoreline of the Sea of Galilee. It was the town Jesus picked for his headquarters. But that's where he met Matthew. Matthew was hired by the Roman government 
a Jewish person could come in and they would auction off, the Rome would auction off cities, towns. And they auctioned off Capernaum. And Matthew bought Capernaum, $1,000. So he had the ability to do whatever he wanted to. And so they, would, they were hired to, to collect taxes. But here's the deal about tax collectors. Back in that day, they could take whatever they wanted. And they had the backing of the Roman government. They could steal anything from anybody without repercussions because they had the backing of the Roman government. They were essentially a government-sponsored mafia. As a matter of fact, Matthew is at the ta- He's very well off. He's wealthy. He's got good clothes. But the people, his own people, when they saw him coming, especially the Pharisees, they would cross the street to keep from walking past him. They called them pigs. They called them scavenger dogs that dug through the garbage heap. They called them all kind of names. They despised them. And, and if a Pharisee rubbed up against a tax collector, he would go home and wash his clothes and take a bath because they were so hated and despised and thought they were contaminated. Can you imagine the looks Matthew got? Can you imagine? You know the look, right? Like the girl that stuck her tongue out at me the other day when I was driving down the road and she was trying to get out in the road and I know the look, I saw the look. But I understand something. I don't know what kind of pressure she was under. And it wasn't up to me to judge her in that. That was her response. And I knew it wasn't about me. Matthew was so despised and so hated. Can you imagine the looks that he got? If looks could kill. As a matter of fact, there was a group of people called the Zealots. They were like terrorists. They would... They were, they were a group of people that would come to a town where the Roman soldiers were and they would carry a, a knife up their sleeve. And they would get, try to get close enough to that Roman soldier to slit his throat. They would die, but they said it was worth it. But they were also like hitmen to the tax collectors. And so... Because they're Jewish and they, he, he was betraying his own people. So Matthew probably lived in fear. Can you imagine how lonely it must have been? Can you imagine? Now, you know, when he would go in and the sun would go down, they, they didn't have TV back then or internet. Didn't have any Facebook. But when it went dark, now... He's there in his loneliness. Can you imagine the shame and the guilt and the condemnation gnawing like rats at him all the time? He'd been called all kind of names. He was lonely. He's at the tax collector booth. and As a matter of fact, every, every Sabbath day, the Pharisees would, would read names 
in the synagogue and Matthew's name was among them. They would read the names of, of sinners and people that they hated. And, and, and it was as if to say, if Matthew started repenting today, it wouldn't be enough if judgment day were to come years down the road. He wouldn't be able to get his sin repented of. They hated him that much. One day, Matthew was at the tax booth. And he gets another look. I'll never forget, first time I saw her, she was on the arm of another man. <laughs> oh, she was 14. He was a couple of years older, I don't know, at a bonfire, church bonfire. But boy, whatever you pursue, that's what you desire. Hello. So for the next four years, I was in pursuit. <laughs> and uh, she finally caught me after that. You're right. And, and I'm grateful. What a gift. The Lord loved me so much. He sent this good woman to my life. Now, I want to tell you, Matthew is there at his tax booth. And one day, he gets a look. This is not a look. Notice this, the passage says, and Jesus saw a man. Everybody else saw a pig. They saw as a matter of fact, think about this. They, they probably saw a blob of people when they saw Matthew that they had been betrayed or broken or hurt by. And out of their pain, they're looking at all their pain as they look at Matthew. I want you to understand something. Matthew is at the tax collector booth, and Jesus, the Bible said, saw a man. That word saw is a, it's kind of a, it's a very powerful word. It means that he perceived. He, when he saw Matthew, the Bible said he saw a man. He saw a man. He didn't see what he'd done. He looked past. As a matter of fact, that word means to perceive to look into. How many know this is God in the flesh? And when he saw Matthew, he saw something that others didn't see. Ooh. When he saw the man, Matthew saw a look. It was a look of hope. It was a look not of judgment. It was a look of love because if God is love, then Jesus is the embodiment of the Father. He's come to show us what the Father's like. And when he looked at Matthew, Matthew was so taken by this look. He was willing to leave everything. He left. He said, you can have this. I'm following him. Come on, you understand. Have you ever heard of anybody falling in love? Maybe you have. I mean, falling in, it's like falling off a cliff. You didn't plan that. Come on. Some, I mean, if you planned it, I've jumped into love. Come on, you understand. We, we fall into love because somebody sees something in us that nobody else sees. Nobody in our family has saw. When she saw me, took her a while. 
She saw something nobody else saw. And when she looked at me and I fell in love, I began to see myself through how she saw me. You ever, you ever met people who've fallen in love? I mean, the, their eyes is just somewhere else. They're looking somewhere else. Yeah, they get, it's, what would you call it? Goofy. It's, it's really, it's a, I mean, they, they are constantly thinking about the other person. Lost in the swoon. We get lost in the swoon. And Matthew has, he could be a young man, but the look was different. It was so different because the look, when he saw his eyes, I believe it immediately. He saw the look of love. He didn't see the look of judgment. And Jesus simply said, follow me. That's all. You understand the judgment of the Pharisees couldn't change Matthew. All of the, the, the ugly comments and, and the people walking on the other side of the street, that, that couldn't change Matthew. As a matter of fact, I want to tell you something that that happened to Matthew. There's something in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 where Paul says, the love of God constrains me. That word constrain, it comes from a word, echo. It's a very beautiful word. It's like standing on the, on the shores of the beach and hearing a wave crash. And that sound just resonates. That's what... Paul said the love of God resonates, but it goes deeper. It's where we get the word echo. It goes deeper. The love of God holds me. Matthew said, oh, this love is... I began to, he began to see himself like Jesus saw him. Now, now, here's the cool part. He didn't lead him in the sinner's prayer. He was a businessman. He didn't give him a card and say, well, yeah, I'll sign the I, follow, I promise to follow Jesus. None of that. As a matter of fact, the sinner's prayer is not even in the Bible. As a matter of fact, there's no record of Matthew repenting, but... Let me tell you that, did you know the word repent was put in the Bible in the year 1200? It's not in the original. Repent is, it comes from a, a, a word that means to do something over and over. Penance, do penance over and over. And it, it's been a, let me tell you something. I don't really, I got to be careful because. When you're in the Bible Belt, you got to do your research and study the history. It's the word metanoia. Metanoia don't just mean to change your mind. 
It means a radical change of mind. And Matthew had a radical change of mind. And that radical change of mind was not only about who he was following. It was about himself because he saw something in the eyes of Jesus that delivered him from the judgment and the condemnation and the shame of those who had looked at him because he had done so badly. Jesus didn't remind him. He was conscious of his sin and he will deal with sin. But let me tell you what sin is. Sin means to lose your form. Not just miss the mark. Or Mateo, it means to be without form. The prodigal son came to his father after in the pig pen. The Bible said he came to himself. And then he said, I'll know, I'll go tell him. I'm not worthy to be called your son. Just make me one of your hired servants. And the father didn't even listen at his groveling. Come on, that's what it was. He didn't listen. He said, you were my son. He didn't even get to finish. And the father looked at him and said, you're my son. I know, but I messed up. I spent all the living that you gave me and, and I, I lived with harlots and I lived with, with, with all this other stuff in the world and I spent everything you gave me and I've been in the pig pen. I probably smell like a pig. And he said, you are my son. Come on, you know where I'm going. Matthew. So overwhelmed and constrained, held by the love of Jesus. He leaves everything behind and follows. Later, he invites Jesus over for dinner. But when he gets there, there's other tax collectors. There's other sinners the sinners were, you know Matthew had to have personal bodyguards. Some of these were his own personal bodyguards. Some of his was tax collector friends and some were even prostitutes. Because not being able to find love, you look for whatever plastic love you could find to fill the void and the emptiness in your heart. So Matthew invites them all over. Come on, you gotta, you got to see this. Jesus is sitting, and the Pharisees see it, said, asked the disciples, why is he with these, this scum? Why is he hanging around? Jesus hears the thoughts. He hears the conversation, overhears it. Why are they sitting with the pup, these tax collectors, these, these dog scavengers, these pigs, and, and these sinners? Jesus said, those that are well don't need a doctor. But I've come to bring healing to those that are sick. To bring wholeness. I'm telling you, it's revolutionary. Because I'm discovering, I want to take you on a little quick trip. 
I may preach a message on this too, but I love one of my favorite Psalms, Psalm 23. But, but you do understand, David didn't just write these because he sat down and thought, I'll just write this psalm. He's under the influence of the Holy Spirit anyway. But he's writing it at strategic times of his life. Matthew, uh, psalm chapter 3, he writes, when at, remember Absalom, his son? That's when he is pursuing. That's when David first gets the email. They didn't have an email. When he first gets the news, Absalom, your son, is, is going to kill you and take the throne. And that's when he first hears it, he writes, many are those who rise up against me. But you are my glory and the lifter up of my head. Let me tell you something about David. You talk about a dysfunctional family. You talk about a dysfunctional family. Two years earlier, when you get to Psalm 27, it's during the time he's being chased by Absalom. But Psalm 23 is when Absalom is the closest. He's only a few miles away. Yeah. And David writes, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And at the end of that chapter, he says, he prepares the table before me. At the pres you understand that's covenant. That's communion. Yeah. He Prepares the table before me in the presence of my enemies. They get to watch. <laughs> then he says, surely. That word surely. Remember, this is the closest this Absalom's been. And he's just a few miles away. And David says, surely. That word is not just an English word. It is a word of covenant. Yes. It means surely. This is the way it's going to be Forever. Goodness and mercy, goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life. That means if my son Absalom is chasing after me, guess what's in between me and him? Come on, somebody. You get the picture. Uh, his goodness and his loving kindness will... Uh, here's a man who had, had slept with Bathsheba, had the husband murdered, and he's, he's, he's here in a place where... where Absalom is really messed up because Tamar, remember, Absalom's half-brother had raped her. And Absalom and David didn't have a relationship. Absalom probably said, do something. David said, let's just keep it up. The whole, all of Israel knew it. Let's just cover it up. Come on, somebody. And David's now running from his own son. And in the midst of all of that dysfunction and failure, all of that, David writes, surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me. 
all the days of my life. And you understand Psalm 3 when he said, you're the glory and the lifter up of my head. Do you understand David had so much shame? He had so much condemnation on his life because of what he'd done. He'd done a lot of stuff and he probably couldn't even look in the eyes of the Father. He couldn't even look in the eyes of God. And you understand the Father shows up to David and he lifts him by the chin and he said, he's the lifter up of my head so that he can look the Father in the eyes again. It wasn't just something he wanted to do for him. It was something he wanted to do to keep him in relationship, to look in the eyes of love, to see the look, the same look that Matthew saw when he saw Jesus. He didn't see condemnation and shame. He didn't see the hatred of those who tagged him and labeled him as useless and hopeless. He saw hope. He saw forgiveness. Come on, somebody. How much forgiveness is too much in the western culture of religion somebody comes into church that don't look like everybody else well they're surely going to hell I can tell by the way they look (laughs) come on somebody but you know what we do we look superficially religion will look superficially Jesus looked past Matthew's failure He saw something nobody else saw. In in Africa, I've been to Africa. The Zulu, when they say hello, they don't say hello. When they meet you, they say, I see you, Randy. I see you, Martha. You know what that means? That means you have significance. You're not lost in the crowd. I can pick you out of a crowd. Let me tell you something about our Heavenly Father. He sees you. You're not lost in the crowd. I think He's really so fascinated by you and he's so interested in where you are and he's so interested in bringing a wholeness and a healing to you we're living in a time when people are so fearful but perfect love casts out fear perfect love I'm not the economy is not going to control my attitude. What I see in the world, something I pray for and I say, Lord, let me be the, the light of your presence in the lives of those who are in darkness. Jesus came and he called Matthew. I want to do something. We got about 15 minutes and we got just enough time. We're, it's not going to take long, Okay. But I want to tell you something. When we come to embrace the fact Matthew discovered it. He discovered a God who is love. Jesus is Emmanuel, meaning God with us. That's what the angel told Mary and and her husband Joseph. He'll be called Jesus because he's going to save his people from their sins. He'll be called Emmanuel, meaning God with us. 
in the coming weeks, I'm praying, I have a series I'm going to teach with the DVDs. It's 10 sessions called Fear Not. It's biblical. It's really connected to the love of the Father for you. Jesus didn't say, come follow me, Matthew, and when I get you straightened out, you're going to have value. He didn't say, Matthew, come follow me. I'm going to get you straightened out. No, Matthew had such a radical change of mind because of the look. Do you know there's energy in our look? Looking unto Jesus. You're, you're, by our look, expression, by our look, our eyes, we convey peace. We convey trouble. Come on. Our thoughts, as a matter of fact, create a pathway and they'll build a house. Somebody said, well, my thoughts are harmless. No, they're not. They build a house. Jesus gave the parable of the one who builds on the sand and the one that builds on the rock. So our thoughts create a pathway. Thoughts produce words. A thought is an inaudible expression of an, it's an inaudible expression and a word becomes an audible expression of an inaudible thought. By thoughts, we reveal what we're thinking. So God what does he think about you? You've got to know who you are. Matthew discovered who he was when Jesus looked at him. Because Jesus saw a man. He sees a woman. Somebody who has value. He knows everything about you, but he loves you. He's interested not in the general scheme of things so much. He's interested in the intricate details of your life. The hairs of your head are numbered. Miss Faye made some brownies and I was eating one. I said, boy, I feel like my hair is growing back. And she laughed and... At one point, I said, is my hair messed up? She said, well, get you some of those implants. And uh, come, come on, somebody. But but doesn't matter how many you have, he's numbered, not counted. He's, he's so interested in the details of your life, he has numbered the hairs on your head. I want you to do something. It's only, we're going to only get like seven seconds, Okay. I want, now, now here's what I want you to embrace. I want you to embrace the fact that God is love and that there's nothing you need to do to improve that. You can't change God and what he feels or thinks about you. So this is what I want to do. I really felt, if you don't know him, he says, believe. Metanoia. The Old Testament, Teshuvah. 
The Old Testament word for repentance is teshuva. It's like springtime. It's like when winter's passed and everything comes to life. It means to turn. My ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. And, and we stop right there. We don't read the context. Religion will tell you, well, we, we don't. Un- he, there, he's a mystery. No. I beg your pardon. He said, my thoughts are high. You know what his thoughts are? My thoughts of you are to bless you. It's abundant love. His thoughts of you are abundant mercy and loving kindness. His thoughts of you are to see you excel and enjoy the journey. To see you enjoy this journey because you're in relationship with him. That's his thoughts. Uh, You understand? I believe he looks over at Jesus every now and then and says, I'm thinking about Wayne Hughes. Let's talk about him for a minute. I see his whole life, but I know him. He's coming into what I created him to be. Because the Holy Spirit's leading him on. He's hearing the echo. And being held. By my love. Come on, there's a wholeness that comes not only spiritually but physically, emotionally. And this is what I want you to do. It's okay, we're family. I got, we got nine minutes now, okay? It only takes six seconds, seven seconds to do this. Seven's complete, right? Knowing your Father loves you. You know, if we become Christians because we want the blessing and we want to have a better day, we miss the whole point. Come on now, I, I know this is good preaching. I'm not getting many amens, but, but you understand that if we become a Christian for the blessing and to have a better day, we miss the whole point. Because he saves us not just to go to heaven. He saves us so that we can be conformed into the image of his son. We are all predestined to be conformed into the image of his son. He's the firstborn among many brethren. Holy Spirit, make me like you. Make me like him. I know one day I'm going to plop over with a thud and I'm going to die, but Lord, I thank you that you've given me life now. So what now? Lord, conform me to be more like you and let me know how much I'm loved so that I can walk and follow you and enjoy this journey with such expectation, Lord, that my life is filled with your loving kindness. If you're here and you say, Pastor, there's a condition. It could be emotional. It could be physical. That I know if I were to be healed right now, I would know it. Slip up your hand right there. God bless you. God bless you. Pastor, there's a condition in my body right now that I wouldn't know it right away. But I want to be whole. If that's the case, slip up your hand. Now here's what I'm going to do. I see those hands. 
Hold those hands up one more time. If you raise your hand, look, wow, wow, wow. Now here's what I want you to do. I want you to stand all over the house. It's going to be a seven-second prayer, and we're going to see results because of love, because of the Father's love. That look, he sees you. Now, if that person is close to you that raised your hand, if somebody raised your hand, make sure that person is not alone. I want somebody next to them. This is what I want you to do. Seven seconds. Father, thank you for your love for them. Thank you, Lord, that you love us. And Lord, thank you for healing their body in the name of Jesus. Thank you for the look. Come on. I want you to do that right now. Look, just reach over to the person next to you and pray that prayer. Lord, thank you for loving me. Thank you for loving Lori. Father, I thank you for healing her body. I speak to this condition and I command it to go. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Just a radical change. Thinking like you never thought before. That's what, Jesus, that's what Matthew did. He began to see himself through the eyes of somebody that loved him. I want you to see yourself, daughter, through the eyes of somebody that loves you. Because there's a wholeness. Nothing you have to... Let me tell you something about Jesus. He'll meet you exactly where you are. He saw, he saw man. And that man saw something in his eyes that transformed his life. Made him leave it all behind. And he's writing his biography. He said, when he looked at me, he saw man. And now I've been made whole. Father, thank you for this wonderful group of people. Lord, we embrace the knowledge that you want us to have a radical change of mind because you want to bring a wholeness to us, God. And you want to cause our lives to become so unique and so untarnished by our thoughts. Lord, we don't want to come and bring our thoughts into it. We want to know your thoughts. And we know as the rain and the snow comes down and waters the earth and causes it to bud, uh, Lord, the rain does not return into you void, but Lord, your word does not return into you void, but it'll accomplish what you sent it out to do. So right now we sit in the very rainstorm, in the rainfall of your word. And we thank you, Father, for all of the blessings and the abundance that's, that's going to uh, come to us and, and return to you, Lord, showing us that we're in the place of your abundance and your blessing. We thank you, Father, for your love for us. 
In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. God bless you. I love you dearly. I'm so glad that you came to be in church. Greet somebody and touch somebody's uh, life as you go out and encourage them, would you?